Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to uh, part four, I guess of five now, of the 2020 Hypothetical Nationals recap. Uh, if you can't tell, I am recording from an alternate location at this point, uh, basically my hotel room and um, this weird weird travel mic. Uh, don't know how it's going to go, but it um, doesn't matter because I wasn't there. So huge thank you to Justin and co. for continuing with this installment. And without further ado, here we go. All right. Okay, I guess, I mean, we're streaming, so I guess we can't really prep on the stream, but we just got to do this, right? Yeah. All right, it's going to come back and be like, what the hell do you guys do? <laughs> streaming it on all these different things. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Tonight we are going to finish our four-part series of our mock national championships. Tonight I have with me four other members from our previous podcast. Unfortunately, Steve wasn't able to make it because he's getting married in Vegas. Uh, I'm just kidding. And uh, Chris is on his way home from work, so he might join us at the end of the podcast. But why don't we introduce, start with Lucas. Lucas, sorry. Yeah, what's up, guys? Lucas Boyle from Seattle. I play on Fortune. Brett? What's going on, guys? Brett Hadwin here from the Gamecocks in the North region. Um, looking forward to closing this out today. Sean? Um, Sean here. Live in Chicago. Play on Heat in the West. And Vaughn? Uh, Vaughn Kelly from Dallas. Play with Outsiders. So... Uh, just to start, I guess we can do a little bit of recap if anyone hasn't seen or listened to all of our other podcasts. But Lou, do you want to just go through all the the bracket and tell everyone where we are at this point? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. And to rewind just a little bit to kind of bring people up to speed who haven't been listening to all of the hours of podcasting we've been doing. Um, the idea that kind of inspired this podcast was um, that Mark Acom was going to host like an invitational championship um, in 2020 for like the top teams in the country. And as far as we knew, it was like the top 16 teams. So because Dodgeball was essentially canceled this year, um, the idea was it would be f fun to talk about Dodgeball and like what would happen if we actually ran this tournament. Um, and so we have slowly been working through um, a 16 team bracket and we have made it all the way to the semifinals. So tonight we are going to be talking about the semifinal matchups and finally the championship match to crown the 2020 <laughs> uh, mock national champions for the open 8.5 division. Um, I, I think that there was rumblings of some other mock championships. I think there was talks of the women's no sting division happening. And yeah, so we're, we're planning on doing women's, and uh, Jenny and I are going to do that. We're just trying to figure out who we're going to have as reps in each region and also just trying to figure out how many teams we're going to end up doing because there's not as much representation, especially in the north. Um, the east has got a pretty good representation, and then the south has – I think somewhere in the range of four or five teams. So just trying to figure out how many teams we bring into that. Um, Jenny and I are just talking that through as we, you know, 
currently. Um, and then I'd like to bring in, you know, people that are interested. Anyone who's interested, please let me know. Um, the more, the merrier. So I think that'll be exciting. Awesome. Um, so to pick up where we left off, we are in the semifinals. So the four teams remaining, let me just make sure I get this right. Um, in the, uh, the left side of the bracket, we have Crisis versus Rise. And on the right side of the bracket, we have Heat versus Tread. Um, so the first matchup that we're going to talk about is Crisis versus Rise. Um, Justin, would you start us off with a little intro on Crisis? Crisis is the number one seed out of the West. Um, they were the West champions last year in 8.5. Um, and I believe they lost in the semifinals of Nationals last year. Uh, but their roster is Justin Payan, Andrew Ketchum, Brody Johnson, Ryan Morris, Brett Baxter, Tad Delugio, and Maddox Helmet, Helmrich. They lost in the finals last year. They lost in the finals, yes, sorry. And then, Lucas, do you want to talk about Rise's roster? Uh, sure. Yeah, Rise's roster is Tim Fullerton, Sean Anderson, Alan Thomas, Andy Marquine, Brandon Cook, Jim McMasters, and Serge Ferrari. And uh, Rise finished, was were they second or third in the West? Third in the West. Um, their previous... Uh, at nationals in 2019 they lost in the semifinals against uh, crisis and in this mock tournament they have defeated task force in the first round by a score of four to one um, and outsiders in the second round in a seven game thriller uh, nominee for best match of the tournament and they're here now in the semifinals um right. justin I think the one thing that we could maybe add to tonight's broadcast is that we have been doing some rankings behind the scenes. And um, what we did before we started recording our first episode was kind of passing out the list of teams, sharing the rosters, and then having our panelists kind of evaluate all of these teams kind of in different categories. And without getting like two in the weeds, our categories were throwing, catching, chemistry, experience, depth, and then we kind of came up with an overall um, composite ranking. Um, so do you want to kind of go through Crisis's rankings? Yeah, I just want to say one thing, but also I feel like as we've gone, I, I wonder if people's rankings would change now, because I feel like as we've gone, before we sort of determined what each category sort of means to each person. And I feel like we have a better understanding as a group I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, throwing is obvious and catching is obvious. But I feel like experience, chemistry, and depth are my, at least my opinion of what it was, is different than it was when I first did my rankings. So I feel like my rankings would change in those areas, but they were, uh, Crisis ended up rounding out as our third overall team in terms of ranking with an 84%. They were 97% throwing, the number one team ranked, 84% on catching the third ranked team, 78% chemistry with being the ninth ranked team, experience 87% being the fourth ranked team, and depth 75% being the 13th ranked team. 
And I feel like some of those rankings probably would change. I think at least my rankings would change in some of those categories. I don't know if your guys' rankings would change in those categories. Now that we've talked through through a lot of this stuff, um, Brett, what would you what do you think about that? I think it's changed a little bit. <clears throat> I think definitely being from the north, I think hearing some of the different perspectives from people that play them a little bit more often would skew my my rating system a little bit. What about yeah. you, Don? Uh, yeah, I think mine would change. I think mine would change mostly because I've watched more film between mm-hmm. starting this and now. And like watching some of Crisis's games last year, I think they weren't catching as much as I maybe anticipated them doing. So I might bump them down a little bit in catching. Maybe they're not the third ranked catching team. But um, yeah, it's mostly just watching more film and stuff. Um, but I think everyone shifts a little bit. So, you know, if I bump them down in catching, does that mean I don't? Does that mean I bump them out, you know, of their overall spot? I don't know. It just depends on what they're coming up against. But I'd have to go through and look at all of it just to, you know, really get a good grip. When I when I hear those numbers, the thing that stands out most to me is they are we rank them somehow thirteenth in depth, which just to me seems like ridiculous. Cause I mean, Maddox and Brett and Tad are like, you know, they're not superstars, but they're all solid players. Some of them make a few more mistakes than others, but like, like they're good players. And I think par- like par- probably what happened with Crisis is that their top end is so mm-hmm. high that the like drop off between their top three guys and then like the next three guys is like probably bigger than it is for most teams. But your bottom thing. end is not as low as like that divide makes it seem. Because like I don't know, them being thirteenth depth teams seems pretty wrong to me yeah because if you take those three guys and put them on a different roster they jump up and become much more important and influential members because they're good players it is just the the difference between a catch them and a maddox is a is a big difference but it's not 13th out of 18 16 teams yeah and like ryan to me is just like i i put on fear with ryan and like you know brody makes a lot of noise and xander's really good but like ryan won so many games for us in like you know co-ed situations where like you're left to be alone a little bit more when ryan was on death ball when ryan was on titan before like and there wasn't all that firepower ryan used to make a lot more plays and i feel like he's one of those guys who gets you know we we don't think about him as much because he's such a like humble teammate and willing to give Pyan and catch him and all those opportunities and just like hold the corner counter when he needs to but like he's a fantastic player yeah, and I think he plays off of Catchem a lot as well, knowing that Catchem's going to throw. He sort of is a lot more ball control, a lot more control for controlling, so that he he fits in really well. Lou, what do you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like control, I think control for controlling, so that he he fits in really well. Lou, what do you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like I think that's a really good point, and I this the mock nationals is a really challenging thing to do because. We're speculating so much. We're trying to imagine, and there's there's not like so much room for nuance, right? Like after a while, your analysis breaks down, right? Like you can you can kind of anticipate certain things, but then like stuff just happens in dodgeball matches, and teams who have experienced players and have depth, um, that kind of stuff pays off. But I guess one of the things that I liked about the rankings that we did is that we each kind of bring our own bias to the process 
and so like the way that it shakes out kind of kind of like works out some of like the ex extremes you know i really like wrecking balls and sean really likes anarchy and like you know together it kind of smooths out some of those outliers and so it was really interesting to kind of look at the overalls and see teams that kind of placed higher or lower than we would have expected kind of without the composites um but um, I wanted to read out Rise's rankings, if, if you're ready for those. Let's hear it. All right. So Rise, uh, Rise got a 92% in the throwing category, which is our second highest rating behind Crisis. Um, they rated 76% in catching, which is middle of the pack. They, they ranked eighth out of 16. Um, for chemistry, they got a 77%. Um, uh, which was ranked 11th out of 16. So we kind of, we were a little bit uncertain with this new roster, what the chemistry would be like. Um, experience, they got a 92%, which ranks number one on our list or, or tied for first with heat. Um, and for depth, uh, they got an 84%, which uh, is ranked number two behind heat um, at 85. And their overall ranking, uh, they are tied for third with uh, Crisis, their opponent. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, again, I feel like there might be some things that we change. I feel like our chemistry ranking for Rise, if we saw them play for a whole season, would be totally different. Um, catching is low, but I feel like catching is low also because part of Rise's mentality is don't go for catches, so it's hard to put them as a catching team. But I also feel like they sort of switched out some of their best catchers. You know, I think Jim probably plays a lot less in this roster now. He's probably the seventh man as opposed to being always on the court. Um, so it's interesting. It just feels like some of those categories would be different if we watched or played a whole season. Um, sort of like you said. That's part of what makes it fun is we, we get to kind of decide how things are, went throughout that season and how things would be shaking out at this point. What do you want to say about it? Um, I was actually going to say maybe we could we could transition to our insights. So we had a representative, someone from the panel, check in with each of the four teams that are in the semifinals, and we got some insights from each team about their matchup, about their opponents, um, about their team, just kind of coming out of the 2019 season and. What were some of their changes that they made and what were they looking forward to in this season? So um, we can kind of, let's move into the insights for this matchup. So Lou, you interviewed Rise. So why don't you let us know what they said? Yeah, um, well, I kind of, our discussion started out with um, the way that 2019 finished for Rise. So Tim, I, I talked with Tim Fullerton and uh, he told me that Going into Nationals, he knew that Chad and Chris were going to be retiring. That was, like The team knew that. So they knew there was going to be a lot of changes. Um, and then that kind of coupled with a sloppy finish against Crisis kind of really inspired Tim to kind of go big and make some changes. Um, I One of the things that I left our conversation feeling was that Tim was really tired of like mistakes. And so I think 
that with some of the roster changes, he was looking for folks who would be would buy into a game plan and stick to that uh, regardless. Um, gosh, okay. Then I asked, like, what what are some of the adjustments um, that you're making for this year based on past years? Um, Tim had a great quote. He said he wanted he wanted players who were willing to play chess instead of checkers. Um, folks who are going to play under control and kind of take as long as it needs to. Um, uh, he said that like a lot of their losses in the past were because their players are forcing the issue and making mistakes. Um, <laughs> he, there's some good quotes. He had some good quotes. Um, then we kind of like moved our conversation moved to talking about uh, crisis in particular. Um, and Tim did not want to give away any strategy. So, you know, a lot of these points are kind of vague, but um, let's see here. Oh, he, Tim, okay, this is one thing that he said about the roster this year is he, he felt like this might be um, one of the strongest rise rosters ever. Um, he, he compared this team to the Pion, Billy, Serge, Tim, Jim, Casey team um, from years back. Um, so he was really excited by kind of the mix of brains and bronze on this roster. Um, geez. Okay. I asked, I asked Tim, who's going to be the X factor on your team this year? He said me. And after, after we finished laughing, he said, he was excited because he's like, now that I'm surrounded with more talent, it's going to take eyes off of me. I'm going to be able to be more productive. Um, he said, when Billy was on the team, uh, opponents forgot about me and I was able to be more effective than ever. So he, he's kind of hoping that something like that can happen. Um, when I prodded him for a real answer, he said, Andy, Mara Queen. Um, okay, how do you match up against crisis? I asked, um, and how would you describe their playing style? Uh, he said, Ketchum goes out there and kills it. A lot of the time, the rest of the team doesn't have to do a lot. Okay, okay, where else? Um, he said, that team doesn't need strategy. They just have raw talent. Uh, you're never thinking, are they going to outsmart me? Uh, if you can outlast their top players, you can compete. Okay, I like it. Um, he also used the word messy. He said, matches against them can get messy. Um, I asked him, how's your team match up against them? He says, I'm pretty happy with the matchup. Um, uh, he's like, with this new group, you're never too sure about the chemistry, but he's like, if we can take some bumps and bruises and figure them out, like he feels pretty confident. Um, outside of Ketchum, uh, Payan gets this team out of trouble a lot. Um, you have to approach him with a completely different mentality. Ketchum is extremely dangerous in your face, but Payan is like sneaky and dangerous. There's not a lot of opportunities. Uh, Tim was talking specifically about his matchup with Ketchum. He says that he does not have a lot of opportunities to get, get Ketchum before Ketchum can get him. So Tim was kind of recognizing that he's had trouble in the past matching up against Ketchum, which I thought was very honest and, and good. Um, he says, with Payan, there are opportunities to get him, but you have to be smarter and careful. Uh, what, okay, then I kind of asked him about the keys to victory. 
what needs to happen for Rise to win this matchup? Uh, he says, if we're going to beat them, we need to get, catch him out before he does too much damage. Make sure that we don't let anyone get him back in. All right, that's, that's it. That was the interview. Insights from Tim Fullerton. So I interviewed uh, members of, of Crisis. And can we, will you, talk, can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Answer before we go into the other one. I thought it was interesting that he said uh, that their X factor when he was more honest would be Andy, because I, I feel very similarly about them. Is like Andy feels like this just kind of like I feel like everyone else on that team is obviously very good, but you've seen them play almost at their peak, like or you've seen them surrounded by a good team or you know, in a style that they, that they're going to thrive in. And I think Andy is maybe the, the one where he could reach a new level with this kind of talent around him. So I thought that was a really, I thought that was a really cool answer. I was, I was kind of surprised by Tim's initial answer of me, but like, it made sense too, right? Like, like I, I do think that dodgeball is a game where, um, yeah, like one plus one equals three sometimes. Like by adding talent to a roster, like it actually increases like the productivity of each player. Um, so but, I I also thought that that was like a viable answer too. And I thought that that was interesting because I was expecting Andy to be the answer right off the bat. See, but I don't, when I think about like, I don't know any teams who other than Ketchum because he's good at it. I don't think of many teams going after Tim because he's so good at defense. You usually... Like historically, when we play Rise, we go after Bell and Landrum, and then we know that they have no arms in the middle, and Allen or Tim are gonna have to throw. So, like, I don't know how having more time. Like, I don't think that Tim was ever a place that you focus, or at least we didn't. Has, do you, had had you guys approached them differently, or I mean, I just don't want to throw a bunch of balls at Tim and just gonna block them. Yeah, I agree. Like, I didn't focus on getting out, getting Tim out. I focused on making sure Tim didn't get us out on, you know, the counter or something like that. I never worried about Tim offensively. It was always um, in transition or, you know, defense. Could this be something, too, that we're, where if there was a full season played that Andy becomes that guy that you do want to get out first. So he's not doing as much damage, you know, if he's on the outline most of the game. I don't know. It's hard to get to focus on any of those players. It's such a, it, you know, goes back to our conversation about depth. It, does it really matter if you get Andy out? Because then possibly Allen moves into the corner and he might be better at the corner than Andy is. You know, like, not that you, I mean, you still have to get people out. So it's not you get him out, but it's just, it's not the same as when he was on, on uh, Havoc when you get him out and the drop off is much higher. Also, yeah. not, not easy to get out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's a really good defensive 8.5 so should we move on to to uh, Crisis's answers let's do it um, and just so you know these questions Lucas came together came out with them and we asked all the teams the same questions uh, I feel like Lou's answers a little bit more in depth because he actually talked to Jim because Jim doesn't know or to Tim because he doesn't know how to use a computer so you actually use an old time phone. Uh, these answers were just sort of, I sent them to the members of crisis and got answers back. So they're not as in depth, I would say. Um, 
So the first question was, what is your team's strengths? Um, and I got back speed, arm strength, talent, and experience, um, which I think we would agree with considering we put them as the highest throwing ranked team. Um, we should have ranked teams on speed. We didn't even, didn't even, yeah, we didn't even think about speed. Uh, what did you learn from 2019 season and what adjustments did you make for this year? Um, and they said, Maddox consistently protects the teammates, big plays and catches when we need him. Calm head in all situations. That's probably the answer for the third question. Under- oh, it might have been the third question. Um, yeah, maybe they skipped, they may have skipped that question. Uh, you're matched up against Rise and what do you think you do? they do well? Uh, so he, they said, Rise is good at being Rise, which hasn't worked since 2018. So I feel like, you know, that's sort of their feeling about the team, how it used to be. So I'm not sure how it would work, you know, going into 2020. Um, so I'm assuming you interviewed Ketchum or Pyan then with that answer. <laughs> I mean, I sent it out to the, to the group, so I don't know who answered anything, actually. Um... I got sort of just general answers back from the group. Um, so the question five was, what areas does your team going to try to take advantage of? Uh, Tim does very poorly against Andrew and Andrew and Justin, and there isn't many any more catchers out there to make big plays to bring him back in. So they felt like with Justin and Andrew's, or Justin and Ketchum's experience against Tim, they could shut him down. And that sort of was like, take the, you know, the cut the head off the snake kind of mentality. Um, And then the last question, they said, uh, the real result is players versus player matchup. Um, And they felt hate versus shred. If shred shred takes out shred win, if, if heat takes out their, takes their outs, shred would win. But so who knows? So that sort of sums Dang, up Sean. how they felt. That's coming from the guy who got reported like four times last year with a video of him cheating. So. Oh, whoa, we're digressing. We're digressing. Yeah. Let's, let's stick to this uh, crisis rise matchup. Uh, no, they wanted drama. Have... They wanted the drama. <laughs> um, I Sean, do you, you, would you like to say something? No, no, you're done. You're done. Um, let I mean, should we, Justin? Should we talk about the pathways to victory, or, or does yeah, anybody have on, any follow-ups? Yeah, let's move on to our pathways to victory. Let's talk about what we feel like each team has to do in each matchup. I think one of my questions before we go to that about the answers would be: Do you think that? Like, I remember Pyan has often been this way, and I remember Nate was very much this way. And, like, when I would talk to either of them about teams or people that they play against, they have very little respect for other teams. Like, when I used to talk to Nate about, you know, are you worried about this? But he was never scared of anyone. He never thought anyone else was good at dodgeball. And that answer where they said, you know, rise – is good at doing rise things and that hasn't worked for the last three years that is very much like in that vein and i think my question is do you guys think that that's like real or do you think that that's just like an attitude do you think that they actually like 
think like, oh, Rise can't beat us? And if so, is that a detriment? Or is that just like a kind of attitude to hype yourself up and say like, we're the team to be, that kind of thing? I think it's a little bit more on that side than it is anything. I don't, I don't think that, that these guys actually think that Rise can't beat them because, you know, they've obviously beaten them at other points in time. So they know that they can beat them. I mean, when Pyon switched to Doom, it took them a while before they sort of crested over the, the hill to beat Rise. You know, I think Rise won the next year after Pyon moved over at National. So, you know, I, I think that's probably more of a bravado thing than it is an actual feeling. Uh, but maybe I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't know them all that well. So maybe I'm wrong. I, I would say I'm, I'm almost very much the same in that regard. And it's, it's not a, at least from my point of view, it's not a lack of respect. It's more of a, it doesn't matter who's over there. I'm going to play my game and it's going to come down to what happens around you. And you're not going to, you're not going to allow them to dictate how you play is really how I look at it. Um, so it, it could go, it could teeter on the line a little bit, but I think it is more of a, a self assurance type thing and having confidence in your own game. Lou, what do you think? I mean, I, I think the point Sean brings up is good and, and something that I have definitely recognized and, you know, have been guilty of from time to time that like teams that you don't have to adjust your own game plan for are often like easy to overlook and 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 not give respect to. Um, so I, I agree with Sean. And, and I think that the better you are, right, there's less teams that really get you off of your game and force you to like think creatively and have to problem solve and really work for it. So, you know, like if your if your best throw always beats someone's blocker, you never have to think about like how to beat that player because you're just able to beat them at will. Um, whereas like maybe another player who can't beat their blocker has such a better understanding of that opponent's game. Um, and I, I definitely think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think teams are often like more aware of the teams above them than they are the teams below them, right? Um, yeah, those are my comments. Um, well, my follow-up point, I do, to tie this back into the rise crisis discussion, um, I, I do feel like that comment was off base because this is a totally different rise team, right? Like this is the, this is like the discussion we've been having for weeks is like, who is this team? And like we we ranked them down on chemistry because we weren't sure what to expect, right? Like, um, so I think I think you can't you can't come in with the same game plan against this new roster, right? Like it's it's totally different. Yeah, I mean, any expectation of this roster is is just speculation. I mean, that's what the whole podcast is. But you know, it's uh, no one really knows how they're gonna matchup except for they played the one tournament where they they won no thing so I, you know we're talking about all super high level intelligent players to think that they can't figure out how to come together i mean heat did it last year i mean how many players were on heat that were returning four players three players and five different new or six new play, new players uh yeah four 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 guys. I played two rounds with them the year before. So, like, I played two rounds with them. So, if you count. And you brought in Vince. You brought in 
Vince, Tyler, Frank, and then Connor for most things. Yeah. So, I mean, a relatively similar kind of roster in terms of adjustment. So we saw a team last year do that last year. And also Crisis is also a team that basically came together last year as well. I mean, they played together in in UDC in different tournaments like that, but not as that full roster. So we've seen it happen before. To think that they can't get chemistry and be peaking at the end of the season is, is silly. Bon, what do you think? Um, so just about the whole, do they think Rise can't beat them? I don't think they think that. I think that's part of their game. I think they're all, they all have that personality where they're kind of, you know, going to talk crap and be sarcastic and, you know, have a lot of fun doing it. Um, I just think that's who they are and that's who they are as a team. I don't think that they are going to expect to go in and steamroll Rise. I don't think any of them would ever expect that. Um, so I think that they will take this match very seriously. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, how do we want to transition into, into our picks? Can I just give my pick here? <laughs> we're going to do our, we're going to do our pathways to victory right now. Lou, do you want to go through those? Cause I was going to like elaborate, but that would end up giving me my pick. So we can, I'll, <laughs> just, I'll just give it after. Yeah. Let's go through our pathways to victory and then we'll, and we'll, then we'll do our picks. Now that uh, just, Lou's just got his background set. Justin, how about you take Crisis and I'll do Rise? I don't see where Pathways of Victory is on our on its win conditions, right? Uh, okay, I'll take I'll do them both until you figure it out. Um, okay, so Pathways to Victory for Crisis. Uh, oh, I will fess up. Like these are these are all my like half baked ideas. So if they're bad, it's my fault. Um, okay, Pathways to Victory for Crisis. Brody is taking players out on the rush. I think that's one of the things that really defines Crisis is, is just kind of Brody's uh, all-in mentality on the rush. And I, I think, like, if he hits the first throw, he has the green light to take the second throw, and just crazy things happen. So if Brody's hitting people in the rush, that's that's one step towards victory. Um, if Ketchum is making lethal throws without exposing himself to Tim, that's another one, right? Um just being effective, that that Tim Ketchum matchup is going to be crucial. And um, I think if if Ketchum is able to kind of perform at the way he we know he can um, without exposing himself, that's going to be strong for for Crisis. And then lastly, uh, the Pion is aggressive in transition opportunities and when the game kind of opens up um, and prospers in late game scenarios. I think we all know and. I believe that if if Pion can get into those short-sided games and into the late game, he can he can do a lot of damage against small numbers. So those are the crisis pathways to victory. Would anyone like to take the rise pathways to victory? Oh, why don't you take it? Okay. Um, so for rise, consistent adherence to the game plan. Uh, weathering that early storm against Brody um, and against you know some of Ketchum's aggression, um, they need to make good trades with Crisis's top players, uh, and they need to play carefully, avoid mistakes against Pion on the back line. Um, Lou, Lou had linked uh, some videos between these teams um, leading up to this week, and so we watched the Crisis rise uh semifinal match from last year and the things that that definitely stood out 
the most to me where Brody was just a wrecking ball. They like Brody first two games hit his first throw. Uh, Rise was trying to throw back at him and was missing, and he was either hitting another player or Rise or Crisis then had four balls to go throw it whoever they wanted. Um, and it was it didn't like it didn't look like Rise had a chance. Like the way you think about rise being the team that like controls the pace and, and they you know they play the rise game and they make people play these like grinded out games like that game was not that way and i couldn't find video but my recollection of round one um the semifinals of crisis rise was very similar it was just like bowling ball um so i i do think it's you know it changes a lot like tim was saying he feels like having that depth is uh really important but i don't know just to like go into the next part where our predictions to me one of the things from that video that i saw that i felt like was rise's detriment was that it felt like tim had come up with a game plan that was centric around him him winning the game which meant that they forced a lot of doubles and early balls at ketchum because tim knows that ketchum will kill him and I feel like it was to the detriment of Rise as a whole that they did that because they focused a lot of energy on getting Ketchum out so that he could stay alive. And then they didn't get Ketchum out. And it just ended up with Crisis with lots of doubles and lots of ball control. Um, so for me, I think the two things that stand out to me being the, the biggest factors would be not letting Brody take over games early. And then the second one would be that Tim almost needs to put himself aside and think of himself less as the piece to win the game and more think of himself as I have to trade with Ketchum. Um, I remember when Anarchy came to uh, West round three, two years ago, to, and they played Doom. The first time uh, Nate was in front of him, Mikey destroyed Nate and, and Anarchy won the game and they ended up rematching in the finals and uh, Nate got decided. He was like, I can't beat him right now. So he just traded with them both games and he traded with Mikey and then the rest of Doom won the game. And if Tim can think that way about this matchup, I think that that would do a lot. Uh, I think that would do a lot for Rise's chances because I think he, we all know he has talent around him. The question is whether or not how much he's going to trust them. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, a good question. that's a really good point. I mean, the, do you think now that he feels like he's built a team that has more talent, he would change his mentality and, and see that? I mean, I don't know, man. Tim, Tim's always been the sole survivor. Like, that's his game. That's what makes him so good. He's not historically, I mean, that's not to say he can't be, but like, he's just been, you know, if you watch a lot of Rise games, he's the one closing it out. It's him and one of the, him and Surge or him and Jim, him and Alan closing out games. So, like, it's not. But like, I think, you know, he was saying that he wants people who want to play chess. And to me, if, if the rise formula still goes through him winning games, that's, that's not chess. And uh, I don't know if they have enough, they have a lot of talent, but I don't know if, if they, if they're that inflexible, if they can take out crisis's top three. My problem with that comment, like the whole chess comment is like, 
you know, historically they've put together this very buttoned up strategy. They had these training camps, everything. And so is he now saying that that was checkers? Like, what is the evolution there? Right? Like, how does, how has it now become chess? If you're not doing the training camps anymore, you're not doing that type of stuff. I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I'm not arguing that they're a worse team. I just don't know how much better they're actually going to be. I mean, we talked about it in one other podcast. Do we do we think this is the most talented roster they've had? Do we think this is the most talented arm strength roster? Do, is this the best at anything that they've ever had? I mean, I guess probably you the could smartest. Argue. It's probably the smartest team they've ever had. But that that dude, when Casey, Billy, and Pine were all in their prime as their center players, like that roster was disgusting. I don't like. I yeah. The only thing like that roster doom and like current crisis are the only like in terms of like top end talent i don't i don't think this this rise roster probably has a higher floor but not as high of a ceiling as any of those teams all right so now that we've talked about our pathway to victory do we want to start getting into uh, a discussion about who's going to move on Vaughn, you seem like you were ready to throw your decision out there yeah, I'll go first. Um, so my winner in this matchup is Crisis. Uh, for some of the reasons Sean said about their previous matchups, I, I don't think that they have a solution for Ketchum. I think Ketchum is the X factor in this game. Um, if Ketchum can stay in, um, it's, you know, he can destroy people. The thing is with Crisis is if Ketchum gets out early, they're a very different team. They play very differently, and I think Rise can hold that. But I think, I think Brody can get a couple of kills off the rush, and you know, watch it. Like I said, watching those old Rise Crisis matchups, I think Crisis has them. And even I even went back and watched some. Um, well, one I could only find one Crisis Rainbows matchup, and it was without Ketchum. So um, I think with Ketchum, even though I haven't seen the film, I'm sure I'm sure they played, and I'm sure the videos out there. I just didn't find it i i think with ketchum crisis wins versus rainbows so putting those two teams together i i still pick crisis and you know truth be told i do have a harder time picking rise because i i have a hard time picking a team i've never seen play and we you know don't know exactly how they'll match or exactly what their strategy is going to be so uh it's crisis for me lou can you remind us did did it come up uh, if Rise had an answer for Brody on the rush. Um, it didn't come up in the conversation, and and I think that's probably one of the bigger issues that they have here. And you know, catch him if he is a non-factor in the game. I think that Brody will be the biggest factor, and then if it slows down, gets a little bit more methodical, you might give Rise a little bit more of a headway. But I think if Brody does take a couple people out in the opening rush, that it's going to be really hard for Rise to come back. And I, I'm going to go with uh, Crisis as well on this one. And I can tell everyone the answer to Brody on the rush. It is that you're going to lose. <laughs> Just make sure you only lose one person. <laughs> and try and not he's, to the, lose he's the fastest off the rush. He's going to beat best. you. Yeah. Just only lose one person to him. Don't lose two. And that's what... Crisis did or Rise did too many la times last time. Is they lost two people, and if you lose two, t 
to him and you don't take anybody out on crisis, you're going to lose the game. And Brody will put it out there. Brody doesn't care if he gets out on the rush. As long as he takes someone with him, he'll put it all out. Lou, how are you feeling? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm feeling rise. I'm feeling rise here. And I guess one of the reasons I feel that is because I feel like I've seen enough tape on crisis now that if, if the crisis thing isn't working, I'm not sure what their fallback plan is, right? Like, like, I don't know where they go if, if they're not having success. Whereas the rise team, like I could see that team doing a number of different strategies. Um, I also really like their depth, right? Like if, if, you know, the top two players on each team disappear, you know, like, what is it like? Um, and I, I think I like, I like rises, uh, depth you know after you know top players trade um i i feel like the brody rush is like i feel like it's kind of broken right like it's like the up b move in smash bros that this one character has that's like so good um but like if, if he's not hitting it it puts you it puts them at such a disadvantage right to just give a ball away right away and if you watch the championship match from last year, you'll see Heat really take advantage and and kind of deploy like a very good counter to the crisis rush strategy and really make crisis pay for giving them the extra ball control. Um, so I I'm choosing Rise here. Who who outside of Tim and Ketchum? Who would be Rise's next best trade? I mean, I, I think Pyan and Ketchum are the best players on Crisis. Um, but who so are Ryan, you asking? Who does Rise need to trade for Pyan? So, like, who would be Rise's next best player? No, no, no. So, in the best case scenario, who does Rise trade for Pyan? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean that's the best case scenario is surge, right? Surge for and, anybody, and he he knows he knows how to do it. Um, but I mean, realistically, like I'd be willing to trade anyone for Pyan, right? That's fair. Would you trade Sean or Andy for Pyan? If because if you take Ketchum, um, and like, well, let's say, let's say Brody takes someone, um, and then. And trades with Ketchum. Yeah. Then you have, do you take out another one of your arms? And Sean or Andy? I mean, to me, it's like if you imagine Crisis with no Ketchum and no Pyan. So you got Brody, Ryan, Maddox, Tad. Brett. Or, or yeah, or Brett instead. Yeah. Of Tad. I mean, usually they would only sub out for Ryan to play corner. I mean, not always, but towards the end of playoffs, it seemed that they, the four that Brett sat a lot, unless he was subbing for Ryan. So, but if you have those four, what four guys on Rise do you not feel good about? Is my question. Like, you can have, if you have Serge, Andy, Sean, Brandon against those four guys, do you, don't you feel good if you're Rise? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you do. But the, the, the problem is, is like, 
Ketchum's not easy to get out. He's gotten so much better at defense in the last year and a half, two years. Like since he started yeah. training and playing like playing more corner and like really focusing on not just like, oh, they're gonna throw at me, so I'm gonna counter into it and like really like blocking and going like it's not an easy out. Yeah, his dodgeball IQ I think has gone up just as much as his training has mm-hmm. instead of just relying on his arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's much easier to say that we're going to get these trades for him than, than actually it is. I mean, it's sort of similar to what you were saying a second ago, Brett, where it's like, if someone beats Brody off the rush, well, like, over the past two years, we haven't seen anyone beat Brody off the rush at all. So it's like, if pigs fly, you know, maybe also it happens. Uh, <laughs> I, lean again, I lean towards crisis as well. I, I think that the Brody, the Brody aspect, if he's hitting... It's such an advantage to get someone off the rush as quickly as they do. They're already playing basically downhill at 6-5. And then Catchem, you know, is arguably the best player in the world. Whether you want to, you know, you're splitting hairs when you talk about it, but he's the best player. So he's better than anyone that Rise has. And Payan is in the conversation as top five players in the country. So... It's hard to not say that those two guys with the talent, and it's not like they have a roster of nobodies. It's not like they, you know, they're picking up bottom layer, bottom level players to fill the rest of the roster. So I just lean towards towards crisis, and we saw it last year or whatever it was two years ago. Now they steamrolled them, and they steamrolled them. They steamrolled most of the West for a lot of the tournaments. I just think that they're too talented. Yeah, everything has to go right for Rise in order to win four out of seven. Yeah, Crisis was six and two against the teams in our top eight last year, and I think one of those losses was without Ketchum, and the other one was the finals. So, other than like, if you only have games with Ketchum there, they're six and one against the other top eight teams. Basically, you know what I mean? Like, that's the best record of any of the top eight teams by a mile. They can their talent clearly matches up. And we're also talking about a team now that just lost nationals. They're going to be hungry. You know, they... See, that's, the, that's the part where the attitude that you were saying that we were talking about earlier. I don't mm-hmm. know if I buy into because the whole like, oh, we know that we're better. We just lost. They, they, you know, the comment that they made, they lost to us because we don't take our outs. They lost 4-1 because we don't take our outs. That's and if that's your mindset, to me, that's not an improving mindset. So I don't know if like the hungry thing factors into it. I think obviously their ceiling is still going to be just as high as it ever was. But I don't know if that like, oh, I have to go watch tape and I got to find out where my mistakes were and I got to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to me. I don't know if that happens with that attitude. Maybe I'm wrong. Sean, where are you leaning? Like I said, so going into this, I was very, very hard on the rise side. Uh, I think, I think against, but like watching that video, I just, I don't know if rise can, I think I, I think I go crisis. Cause I, I just don't, I don't know if they have good answers for, and you know, when I go watch, when I go, when I watch the heat crisis match, like. Yeah, it's 4-1, but I should, we hit like 80% of our throws. If we hit like 60%, which is still abnormally high, because I think if you average like 
all of our stats across the year on eight and a half throws, it's like 48%. We hit like close, like 1.67 that in the finals. We were so accurate and like, yeah, we won. But like, if we hit, even if we hit 50%, like that's four, three our way tops. Like there's just such little margin for error. You have to be perfect to beat crisis. Like that's been, that's why their record is so good is because you have to have a day where everything clicks for you to beat them when they're playing their average game. And so Rise absolutely has the talent, the mindset, like the, the knowledge to beat them. But like crisis should be a favorite against everyone. And so they're- I guess my, my, counter, my counterpoint is that you know, this is nationals, right? So this is theoretically the fourth time that Rise has had an opportunity to kind of solve this riddle. And we and played I, crisis. I think, we played crisis one time in the rounds last year. We literally across all elims and all all round robins. The time we played that we played them at round two without out catch them. So we literally when we faced them in the finals, whole year being in the same division. But so like I I don't I can't buy into the you get to play them four times because very possibly not true. Yeah, the West has in got so my, many teams you don't necessarily play everyone. In my mock regionals, they... <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I feel like, I feel like they're, they're going to get the opportunity at some point, right? And so this is not the first time that you're going to get to do a little bit of trial and error. Like, and I, I believe in kind of like that team infrastructure and experience and like for me, like Rise is just such an experienced team, right? Even the players that they bring in, bring in a lot of experience and kind of wisdom and, and capability to make adjustments. So like, I feel I feel good about my Rise pick. Like I, I feel strongly about it. I do think the more times Rise gets to play Crisis, the less of an advantage Crisis has. But I don't, if, if we're saying they get to play them four times prior to this, maybe I change my pick, but I don't know if that's canon, you know? So how many games do you think this match goes? 4-2. Yeah, Five, six two. games. Either six or seven. It depends. Um, it depends. I don't know. I guess in, this, in, the, in the world where Crisis wins... Brody is winning the rush, which means that they have at least like one of those games where they just steamroll you 6-0, and then they probably win 4-2. Uh, I think in the world where it goes 4-3 and there's a game 7, it probably leans towards Rise. So if I'm picking Crisis, I probably have to say 4-2. I agree with that. Yeah, I would agree. 4-2 for me. I, I did want to say that um, while I was kind of like thinking about this matchup and about Brody's rush, about how rush against a deep team is even more effective because tagging out that runner if that runner is like a, a great player like that that's an amazing out right whereas some rosters that maybe aren't as deep like that that player is kind of the sacrificial lamb so if brody's hitting on that rush it's going to hurt extra extra bad just because of how good all the rise players are because that's the other question when i was thinking about it is like who does Rise even have rush? Because Tim's not going to. It's Surge. They're going to make Surge. Surge. But it used to be Surge and Jim, and we know both of them aren't going to play. So are you going to run Surge and Allen? Or are you going to run Sur Surge? Sean and, and Brandon are both huge. Are you going to run it's probably Surge, Surge and Allen? Or Surge, Surge and Andy? And 
Brandon then, will run. I think Andy's Andy. all the way on the other side of the yeah, court. Andy will run. But then you're risking it, like, but that to me, like, if Brody gets Andy out, that's so bad for Rise. Do you run Brandon Cook? I think Brandon will run. Brandon will run. Do you think so? Brandon and Surge. Surge and Brandon? I think that's a big target for Brody, my friend. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? It makes it easier to hit. Whoever you send up there is, is likely not coming back. So that's definitely a part of the, part of the calculus. What would you guys say Brody's hit percentage is on, on that rush? Can, like we, just, can, we, can we do a Kickstarter and just get someone to like do that for us? Do the someone out there on the, on the web, just kind of watch every <laughs> crisis video and get back to us on Brody's percentage. I don't know, like 50%, maybe higher. I was going to say 60. I mean, I feel like he, there's, besides the match against Heat, I feel like he's never not hitting people. He got Frank out. We played five games. I'm pretty sure he hit Frank on three of them. Or he'll, or he'll throw into someone and they'll block into the other rusher. You know, it's always something. Or a lot of times, the people who do get the blocks off, the ball goes right back to them, and then it's like nothing happened. Or someone, the ball goes right back to him and someone counters him and he catches it. Like, if you count his catches that he gets to the line as, like, part of hit percentage, like, if we made, like, an effective field goal percentage like they have in basketball, like, for that play, it would be over. I would say he at least gets one kill on every rush on average if you took kills and catches into account. Because sometimes he gets two, sometimes he gets two and a catch, sometimes he just gets the one kill, sometimes he misses and nothing happens, but he gets two or three. Like, he played with me on Fury, and I... I kid you not, there were games where he would run up, grab two balls, step back, hit one person, hit the other person, counter comes, he catches it, throws the ball, hits another person, and it's literally 6-2 in five seconds. And it's just like... Would Rise just run Surge? Just let Surge go get the ball and just... All three. Yeah, just get all three. Just sacrifice them? I mean, it's a way of guaranteeing you don't lose something bigger. So we're gonna move on, right? We all are in agreement except for Lou. It's yeah, four to one. Do the Instagram results. I think the Let's Instagram see. results is the like score. Yeah, seventy to seventy to thirty. Last time I checked. Listen, we got to get you on this Google Doc. We got all the numbers right here. Sixty-seven percent <laughs> to thirty-three percent for the prices. Which Google Doc are we talking about? The mock, the one that you have all the ratings on it. Uh, right before the show. I will I will say about this matchup that this is like the crisis rise like best of seven series is like the kind of not why I paid money to watch though like that just I think that was the thing that bummed me out the most last year about being on a team that went far in 8.5 is every year before that at nationals we were knocked out by 16 and I got to watch like every top 16 matchup and it was such good dodgeball and i didn't get to watch like really any of the good games last year and it was such a bummer so that game would be very high on my list if not the highest thing i can think of rise anarchy would be really fun too so that brings us to halftime and lucas's halftime show (laughs) this is where i just dance Make you guys watch. Um, 
Okay. You want to ask halftime? Frankie's question? Yeah, let's do it. So Frankie Gianetto reached out and asked us to make our pick for like Cinderella team of the tournament. So who's a team outside of the favorites that you think has the potential to go far in a tournament like this? So we're talking teams that have already been eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. Vaughn, do you want to start? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either. Are we talking about a team that we think could win the tournament or a team that could like make Up your four. little like 16 v one upset and then your you know 16 v nine upset but then they get knocked out this like that kind of thing the, the space cadets or the or the uh the chicago fire chicago windy city corruption team. yeah corruption last year you know that kind of run the the team that no one expected to be there and suddenly they're in the top four top eight I mean, if we're talking about teams that have already been eliminated, and I'm not picking my own team, it's got to be Anarchy, right? But that's the thing is, no, like, if you, if Outsiders or Anarchy made it to the top four, no one is surprised. No one's surprised. So I think you're talking, we're talking about a team that got knocked out in the first round that makes it to, like, semis. Because, like, yeah, Anarchy or, or, or Outsiders are the two obvious answers for teams that would replace, you know, the semifinal teams we have, but... I think in this bracket... I mean, I could have easily seen Fortune go to the final to the, to the final four. Like I could have seen them beaten Dynasty and then beaten Shred, and suddenly now Fortune is the team, the fourth team in this final four. Versus, I mean, they versus they did that teams. at the they did that last year at the Invitational. They beat exactly. Doom to go to the finals. They did it around I mean, one. They beat us they're a super high end team. I mean, it doesn't matter to lose here, but they're a high end team. We know they're really good. They have high end potential. They've beaten lots of good teams. So I think that's the one that's most obvious to me that you could see going there. But I also don't think that's that surprising also. Um, I think probably Clutch. Clutch probably would be the team, I think. They're also the type of team that I feel like could get super hot with catches. And I feel like those are the type of teams that surprise people the most. Uh, So that's the team I probably would pick would be Clutch. And and they they are a team that gets hot and gets is sort of plays on their catches. And, you know, can make some runs through that. So that's the team I would suggest, you know, seeing, you know, especially if you're saying they beat outsiders and then rise and they're in the final four, that'd be the one that's been the most surprising. Yeah. Clutch was on my list too. They, their like makeup reminds me of the Windy City thing last year. And like I said, they, they took us to seven games last year. We were, I think it was like two on two in game seven, like, or no, we were down three, two in game seven. Like they were this close to beating us. Um, so like they're definitely there, and then I don't know. Like, I think if Thieves decided that they liked eight point five, like <laughs> those guys have been to the finals in a ton of no sting tournaments. Like, they they know how to win games. They're scrappy, but you know, I I think it's just mentality a lot of times with them. But I wouldn't be super surprised if they made a run um, either. I think another team that I think just has some upside potential, they have kind of a tough route, but like, I mean, Notorious, they added, they added Tom Tom Morant, right? And this is this kind of like, mysterious. He's like the legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I I think that it it takes a little, I think the elite format, especially open April, 5 takes a little bit of adjusting especially for like 
NCDA players or like players who are not familiar with kind of the just the distances and the, and the rule sets. Um, so I could see them kind of like figuring some stuff out and like maybe this Morand piece is like enough to like put them over. So I could see them making a run and, you know, maybe Brody's throw isn't working on the rush 60% of the time. They, they get a good match against Crisis and they squeak through. So I could see them as like a frisky Cinderella team. What Hit my no no way button. Your buzzer, <laughs> yeah. your buzzer. Who's your Cinderella, Sean? If you remember that when we were doing that, that notorious of all the teams in the tournament had the worst record against other top sixteen teams. They, I don't think that they have the. And Crisis, as we said, has the best record of all against all the top sixteen teams. That does Man, not seem Cinderella, like like Cinderella. You know, was Cinderella for a reason. It's okay. I mean, miracles happen. That's true. It would it would be that a miracle. Wait, why was she Cinderella? I don't know actually. Okay, all right, sorry, um, Brett. What about you? Who's your Cinderella pick? I think the most fun one would be Havoc because I think their their hardest game would have been their first game, so then their path gets much easier. Um, I think that it's not so much a Cinderella, but I think Dynasty if. If they pulled out that win against Shred, I think that would be a really close game between them and Heat. Um, but I like clutch mode. I, I like what you guys were saying there. It's just so hard with with these teams that we have. Anybody making it far like that isn't too hard to think about. Now, if you want to talk about like somebody got snubbed from our bracket and then went far, that would be a fun conversation, but I think any of these matchups you could look at going either way and not be surprised. Yeah, it's different in a big tournament when we're talking about, you know, the the Space Cadets or the or their Windy City Corruption teams. You know, they were in much bigger brackets. You know, you can get one big win and then you sort of play a couple lower level teams and suddenly, you know, whoa, that team's all the way there. It's a lot more. Di- it's a lot different in this tournament. When it's like, okay, I beat Outsiders, and now I got to beat Rise, and now I got to beat Crisis. It's like, there's no breaks. There's no like, suddenly I'm three rounds further than I thought I would be. Yeah, that's what happened with Corruption because they beat Awesome. Awesome was the three seed, so then they got the three seeds route, which is like you know, fourteen seed, like eleven seed. It's yeah. significantly easier than. And I feel like <laughs> Space Cadets did a similar thing a lot two years ago when they. They beat Anarchy, I think, uh-huh. and upset up Anarchy, and suddenly we're playing, you know, the, the one seed of that bracket throughout. So it's often those kind of things that happen. So should we move on to uh, our second matchup of Heat versus Shred? Let's do, Let's it. do it. Lou, do you want to do uh, Heat's roster? Actually, I wanted Sean and Brett to do these ones because they're yeah. insiders. Go ahead, Sean. Do your team. The Heat's roster is... Uh, Wait, are you the Heat or are you just Heat? Heat. Okay. <laughs> uh, West, West All-Star and MVP, Isidro's Perez, Vince Marchbanks, me, Dylan Clark-Oden, Tyler Greer, Frank Mor- Mar- Mariana... I'm always so bad at that. Mariana, Mariana Griffin Baker, Randy Oge. And He's literally on your team. Learn his name. Bro, I don't. 
Don't say last names. Right? I just call him Frankie Baby. Um, so Heat's rankings, uh, throwing uh, sixth, catching fourth, chemistry first, experience second, overall first. Uh, our round one matchup was a 4-2 against Thieves, and round two was a 4-3 uh, versus Anarchy. Slobberknocker. Slobberknocker. <laughs> Which I was, I was immediately after that episode uh, messaged by Billy Schmidt if he wanted to come play a tournament in the next two months or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, nah. Um, but... I do look forward to playing dodgeball again. And I, I would love to play Anarchy. And I would love for them to beat us and them to be so happy and tell me how wrong I was. <laughs> even though I picked them, but whatever. All right, for Shred's matter. roster, uh, we have Matt Levine, Jeff Giovinko, Dylan Cruz, Jaquan Moore, Kyle Sanders, Frankie Giannetto, and Sean McMahon. As far as rankings, they were ranked fourth for throwing, 6th in catching, 12th in team chemistry, 11th in experience, 4th in depth, and leaving them 8th overall. Their path here, they started the first round with a 4-1 victory versus Wrecking Ball, and in the second round beat Dynasty 4-3. So just like we talked about before, does anyone feel like maybe these teams' rankings are better or worse in certain things? I feel like I feel like their chemistry and experience rankings of shreds are probably way lower than they probably should be. Um, because yeah, I mean, I disagree. For me, for me, I those stick out to me as like pretty low, especially for a team in the semifinals. But I I think when you look at the players on shred. Um, you know, like essentially they have the impact guys plus um, uh, Jaquan and Dylan. who else did they add? Kai, or Dylan. Dylan, Dylan and Frank. Right? Frankie. Dylan and Frankie. And like those guys are talented, but I think outside of their run last year at Nationals, like I don't think anybody on that team has like deep experience in a huge tournament like at, at Nationals. So so for me, that kind of speaks to the experience. And the chemistry is just kind of like a new team, right? And I think a lot of us had questions about who's going to play corner. Is it Jeff or Jaquan? And like, you know, maybe some of that stuff doesn't blend so easily together. So those ratings look pretty low for me, but maybe maybe my ratings are the reason why they're low. <laughs> so I, can, I kind of agree with you on the, the chemistry. The experience when I sort of, is the one I balk on because Jeff has now played on every level at, for but take, his team. Take out Jeff and Frankie and then tell me how many years the other five guys have been playing. Yeah. Two, year, two years. Well, how many years has he been playing besides for you and Vince? Like, Longer those, than that. <laughs> Cedra's been on the national, Cedra and Dylan have been on the national team since 2016. They Cedra came to one nationals. They, he was on Team USA. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Kyle, Matt, Jeff all got invited to the national team combine. I mean, Matt played enough dodgeball last year, too, for three years worth of dodgeball. That's a and, great point. And Matt, Dylan, 
Quan, and Kyle have all played high level of UDC and gone to to to. I mean, they went to final fours, final eights of UDC, so you can't take those things and say they're not in, important. Who went to and final then, UDC? Uh, uh, didn't uh, KTC make final eight? Yeah. And then Jeff was on. Jeff was on awesome when they won UDC. I don't think was Jeff was on it. He wasn't. Was he? No, he never. Oh. The year they had awesome too. He was on that team. I, I will say that uh, Hello's roster is very similar to Impact, and Hello are the reigning national. I mean, three of those players champion. are on that national championship team. So, so I think this ties into to what I was going to say. I think their depth is high for 8.5. I think if this was a no sting tournament, their depth would be fine, but I think their depth is very high for being an 8.5 tournament. You know, I, see, don't, I don't think, I think Kyle Sander is a super strong 8.5 player. Um, you know, I think Jeff and Matt are going to be probably their two best 8.5 players. But outside of that, you know, you know, Frankie's there, you know, for, you know, catching and experience and dodgeball IQ wise. But the rest of those guys, I'm just not super sold on being great 8.5 players to have to be ranked fourth in depth. Also, fun fact, do you guys know who Impact lost no sting open no sting to last year? Impact or Hello? Impact. Hello. Who is? Who is on, on Impact? But I don't even know who who's on Impact. The only I, person I here that's was, on. I was just Impact is just Sean. This week. <laughs> the only person who's on Impact no sting is Sean. No, no, no. open no sting. So the open roster. So it's, okay. it's essentially the shrine. Yeah, it's essentially the shrine. No, I was I I was just surprised. I came across that video this week, and I was just surprised that they lost in dosing as early as. I did. think those guys are much better in eight point five than you guys do. So, like, you know, like we have this disagreement off off camera and in chat. So we had a we had I, a chat this week. I'd love to get Brett and Vaughn's opinion. Who would you rather have in eight point five, Bizzle or Kyle Sander? Yeah, I saw this. It's Bizzle. It's it's yeah. absolutely Bizzle. <laughs> The only person who thinks it's not Bizzle is Justin. That's <laughs> fine. I'm high on Kyle Sanders. I also think that there's a factor, you know, there's a fact that these guys are going into their second year of a lead or whatever we're calling it. Mm -hmm. USA Dodgeball. You know, they're going to improve vastly from what they did their first year in terms of experience. Sean, I, I wanted to ask Sean, like what what are some areas in Kyle's game that he could clean up to kind of make make that a tougher decision for you. Just it's he he's got if you watch any of the like really like people who come out who are really talented from the jump, like if you watch old catchman videos, um when he played for like uh, I think he played for Rampage first and then he was on Riot for a little while. And if you watch the old videos of him on Riot, Mark is just every time they're losing his mind all the time because Ketchum, he knows he can hit people and he knows he can make catches. And so he tries to do it on almost every play. And Kyle burns a lot of balls for that team and leaves them in not advantageous spots. Like I've seen him in, in spots where like they're down maybe like six, four or five, four or something like that. And they have the three blocking balls and he'll go take a shot alone from the middle at someone with the ball, miss it, and then give the other team already up people the ability to double. And just like 
things like that where he's he can hit people we all know that and he can make really good catches uh but it's just about playing enough to figure out when are the times that those are going to benefit you and when are the times that it's not worth the risk um i think those are the main things he needs to learn i thought for a while that he like might like he's actually like a really good blocker um, I don't really buy his pump fake. I think his pump fake could use some work, but he's defensively like a lot more solid than I expected when I was watching tape. Um, but mostly it's just like decision making. And I think like when I think about that team, that's like a lot of, you know, I, when we were talking, you guys were talking about experience not being, you know, where it should be with them. And like, sure, maybe they've played a lot of dodgeball, but I don't know if they've learned all the dodgeball lessons yet. And that to me factors into experience as well. Um, and you know, you can go really far and you can have, you can have been playing for a really long time and still make really dumb mistakes. Like we know we all know players who do that. Um, so I don't know, that's that's a lot of where that experience ranking to me makes sense. All right. So should we move into uh interviews? I, I wanted to uh, before we before we did that. I just wanted to challenge Heat's uh, depth rating. Um, I I'm on team I'm on team Rise here, right? Heat is number one in depth based on our ratings, but I I feel like the guys on Heat like Heat has a great team and like people know their roles, they know the game plan, they execute at extremely high rates. But I I just feel like Rise's depth is just much higher. Maybe not much higher, but it's certainly higher in my in my book. Um so I, I when I saw Heat's number one in depth, I was just like, really? Okay. I didn't have this as number one either. So you don't have to challenge anyone. I, I can see. It's also What's Vince's health status? I feel like towards the end of Nationals, he seemed like he didn't want to throw as much. I feel like at Worlds, he wasn't throwing as much. Well, I mean, fully healthy or so. What 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 we what we realized, and this is actually I was telling uh, I messaged Vaughn after we talked a little bit um, that one thing that we actually like when we went into the season, you know, the first round was like the first time I'd ever played with Vince because we did like the Tribune tournament, but Vince played with Doom at it. So we played that without him. And so, you know, in my mind, uh, they were like pretty quick to like, let me start calling plays. And in my mind, I'm like, oh man, I have this shiny new toy. Vince can hit anybody. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just calling throws for him left and right. And uh, was leaving him like really exposed and like the outsiders game is actually the place where we learned it the best was that uh we kept doubling and i kept doubling with vince in the throw like vince and one of our centers um and eli would counter vince almost every time and so we were getting someone but we were losing vince um and so we after that we like started kind of just giving more throws to our middle guys um because like why, why not? Like Dylan and Tyler and Frank and Cedro can all hit people. Um, and Tyler and Tyler and Frank, I would say might have the best timing for like a two person center throw in all of dodgeball. Like they don't ever miss and their balls hit at the same time, almost every time. Um, 
So I don't think it's a health thing. I think it was just like Vince is really good at closing games and we were losing him way earlier in matches than we needed to. Um, so we started being a little more thoughtful with when we throw with him if we don't have to. But I mean, I, I heard no help. I mean, he's getting older, so he's sore yeah. sometimes, but aren't we all? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but also in this tournament, we you know established 100% health for everybody at the beginning. So, I mean, should we even factor that in? No, but if it, you know, if he's, you know, if he's getting older and not throwing as much as that, we factor that in as well. Yeah, I mean, I, decisions. I mean, it. you said at nationals he wasn't throwing as much, and then we won the title, so maybe it's working. Yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> difference. Uh, do you guys want to work? Move into insights. Sure, Brett, you want to start? Yeah. Uh, all right. So Matt's a little long-winded here, so I tried to go ahead and crop some of his answers down to some bullet points. But we started off with, uh, what are your team's strengths? Uh, I think most people would say our strengths are raw talent, athleticism, and playing fast pace. Uh, but I also think that being able to match up with anybody and not really fearing anyone should be up there as well. This is kind of like what we talked about earlier with Crisis. They kind of have that mentality. They don't care who's on the other side of the court. They're going to play their game and perform. Um, what did you learn from 2019? What adjustments did your team make this year? So in 2019, Matt said that that was their first year altogether as impact. Some of our guys had been playing for a few years, but in the case of Kyle, Dylan, and Quan and himself, that that was their first season in elite. Uh, the main thing was that we learned um, just seeing how everyone plays, not only the competition, but how our players gel together as one team. We won some games on talent alone, not necessarily as much strategy as you like. Uh, I personally brought my aggressiveness, counter heavy style, and got burned by it sometimes. So he does acknowledge that team chemistry is one of their lower attributes uh, that he has here in quotes. People were saying, will they be able to reach their full potential? So many arms, who gets the ball? Uh, nobody has any experience and zero leadership. They said that they're not worried about any of that. They all get along well on and off the court. Uh, they're all competitors and that they actually like being doubted. Uh, we moved into who is your unsung hero on the roster? Matt uh, went ahead and named uh, Sean McMahon their unsung hero, which if we go back, I also named him their unsung hero. Um, that he he said that he's the forgotten one on our team. He's not flashy. He's more of a role player, usually off ball. But I think it is because he's not always given the opportunity to make those big plays. All right, and you're matched up against Heat. What do you think they do well? Matt said that the thing Heat does best is play as a team. They're not scared of any individual player getting out. Uh, if they can trade successfully, they increase their chances of winning. Um, and they understand the personnel that they're up against. With Sean calling the plays and analyzing things mid-game, they're usually playing a certain way or doing certain things to set themselves up for the best position to win. They feel confident in that hypothetical 3v3 game seven setting. 
there are no egos and everyone is team first, which you have to respect. If they were going to win, what areas do they need to take advantage of? Uh, Matt said getting Isidro out early will be key for us because he's a top five player in the country. Probably the last person you want to have throw at you on heat in a last man in sort of situation. Um, on one hand, not falling into any of Heat's traps, mainly when trading, as I mentioned before, they're going to send double teams at certain players on our team, and we're expecting that. Uh, we will take our counters when we can, but we want to be smart with those and not overdo it. Um, they usually won't give us five balls, but they have, or, but they will double team frequently when they have four. I really don't expect many solo throws unless they're coming from Vince's corner. I don't think Heat can hang with us in terms of fast-paced play style, so we want to capitalize on that when we can. But we also can't get overwhelmed uh, with them getting or giving them five balls and having them send more doubles or triple teams at us. So that's all he had to really say on Heat. Um, that's it? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, Crisis and Rise matchup. Um, really, all he said on that was that that would be an awesome game to watch, and they'd be very excited to play either of those teams uh, in the championship. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was Matt's long-winded answers. I love Matt. <laughs> he he's a talker. He is a talker. I love, I love listening to him. Don't any, you want to give a... Do we have any thoughts about anything Matt said? Agree, disagree? I, I definitely agree on a lot of things he said. Um, touching on them not having a lot of play experience like we had talked about, but I think like we had said, that that kind of goes well for them as well, that if they can figure it out, that there's much more upside to that. Yeah, I think Matt, I think they get in trouble if Matt starts trying to do too much, kind of like he alluded to in his thing, which, you know, if, let's say if Jeff get, goes out and, you know, Quan goes out let's say then I think Matt tries to take over the game and I think he tries to do too much and especially against a team like Heat that's going to get him in trouble um so I think as long as he can play within himself um, they'll be much better I don't you know he he can get in the mode where he doesn't make the best decisions and leaves himself very vulnerable and thinks he can throw through people or um maybe go for a catch he shouldn't go for you know something like that I think if he stays within himself though they're much better off as long as he like I said, doesn't try to do too much, doesn't try to take over everything. What are, so I, I I think one of my questions is maybe someone can just like, because crisis, I think, for the similar, what do people mean when they say play fast? Like, what does that mean exactly? I think getting up oh, and down quickly. Tempo counter dodgeball? Yeah. Not, not on the count. Is it out of control, out of control dodgeball? But if 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 but so if there if you're saying we play good fast and that fast means out of control and the other team refuses to do that, doesn't that just give them a lot of advantages? 
Not necessarily. Yeah. If I mean, if you were countering before, say you guys got back to your back line, then your clock's already starting. So it, it forces you to stay up on the line more. You can be a little bit more controlled if you're holding that back line, but if you're moving a lot with with keeping them up on the line, I, I think that's more like playing fast. So decision-making becomes a little bit more on the fly. It's a little bit less cemented uh, when you're going up to throw lines. That's how I see it. Uh, okay, yeah, I can do, uh, I, I interviewed Dylan and the answers weren't good enough to probably <laughs> keep here. He's a very humble guy, if you've never met him. Um, so I uh, interviewed Tyler instead and asked him to be more thoughtful. Um, so first question, what are your team's strength? Tyler said, our depth, he thinks that we are the deepest team in dodgeball. He says that he thinks we have the best four to six players in eight and a half dodgeball, uh, although Rise might have us. Um, versatile, can play fast or slow game really well, depending on what our opponents try against us. Um, what did you learn from your 2019 seasons? What adjustments did you make for this year? Uh, you learned the above, uh, how much our depth was a, an asset. And we, he said that it was nice that we never got to play at full strength until nationals. And we never played with a set roster until nationals, uh, until those last four games. So he said just like some of that consistency and finally having everyone there because I think round one, we were missing one person, round two, we were missing two, round three, we were missing one. And we finally had everybody at nationals and having everyone there, I think was really helpful for, for us, uh, like chemistry and strategy was. Who is your unsung hero? What do they bring to your team? He said, Dylan, he said, along with Brody and Alan from Rise, he thinks that those are the best number three players in all of dodgeball. Um, He's smart. He's I don't know how he, I guess he's made, okay. He's saying clients too. He's he's smart. His kill rate is among the best. He had six kills on nine throws in the championship match. Really high percentage. And he's a great catcher. He's probably the most athletic player on Heat too. Even though him and Isidro right now are currently having a bench press contest, uh, as well as a half mile run contest, it's been really fun to watch them talk. About it. Um. Also, in earlier matchups, was clearly our best non-corner player, especially against Boosh. Boosh had no answer for him. Uh, he said he does not know Shred enough before, so I, uh, Dylan's answer was mostly just that he thought we would match up well against Shred just because of their lack of experience. Um, I think I would like to... Neither of them really gave great answers. Um, I think our matchup against Shred... Uh, is actually something I've thought about a lot because it's one of the few matchups I might sit myself. Um, I think I'm a really, really bad matchup for Matt. Um, is he loves to hit that, that like counter into um, like catch. And I have the type of throw that Matt's really good at catching. Um, so I've been, I've been thinking very, a, a lot about starting a Seager at a corner in a game like this. Um, I'm not sure what that means for the rest of the lineup, but that is something that I've thought about quite a bit. Um, 
So I, but other than that, I think that that's our only, our only weakness against them, if, especially if they choose not to play Jeff in the other corner. Um, I don't think that there's anyone on the other side of the ball who can stop Vince from just throwing through them. Uh, if you want to go with a very simple game plan. Um, and then uh, the other thing is that, I don't know, uh, the reason I was asking about the fast thing is because, you know, Crisis mentioned that they like to play fast too. And if you watch the transition plays from the championship match, like we win those almost every time. Like our center players are really, like Tyler and, and Dylan are really, really good at sneaking up. And like, we have a lot of foam players on our team. And foam is so much more about like movement and dodging and all of those things that don't happen in 8.5, which I think like play into that kind of like, if you're going to play a run and gun game, like having guys who are used to that kind of movement is really important. And we have a lot of those guys. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if them playing fast is, is necessarily an advantage to them. Um, so I think, like I said, I think our, our big disadvantage is, is I think Matt is a big foil for me and figuring out how to overcome that, uh, I think would be our, our main uh, problem to solve. Uh, number five, what areas is your team going to try to take advantage of? Um, same as this thing, uh, take advantage of their inexperience. They don't play enough tough teams. It's hard to know how good they are or will be when they only play Anarchy once or twice around um, and no other tough teams. I, I kind of echo that because, you know, Mikey was out a lot of last year and it was still Anarchy and Awesome in almost every finals. It, I was very surprised that Impact didn't make it to the finals until you know, the very end of the year. Um, yeah. And then his comment on the other matchup, he went back and forth. At first he said, Crisis is too top heavy. I don't think that Rise has an answer for him. And then he said, well, Rise is really deep now, so maybe they do. So he was just as confused as most of us about what would actually happen that day. And that's all he got. Lou, do you want to weigh in on any of that stuff? I mean, I, I there's nothing really that I wanted to pick apart, but I was ready to, I think some of Sean's points led into the pathways to victory. Um, does anybody else want to respond to Sean or should we dive into the pathways? The only thing I, I wanted to say way. was uh, when you brought up Crisis playing fast, I think, I think there's a, a, a difference. I think Crisis tries to play through you where impact tries to play fast where crisis relies more on heavy arms but it is a little bit more it's less chaotic they know they know what everyone's going to do they have their game plan that ketchum's going to throw through somebody where impact it's a little bit more up in the air and it's not decided until you get to the throw line Yeah, that makes sense. And like when I, when I, you know, I was saying the same thing about, you know, we have a lot of guys who play a lot of foam, but, you know, mm -hmm. they have a lot of UDC guys and, you know, Jeff is obviously an elite athlete. So like, I, like I get that. I just, it's confusing to me when people talk about it as something that like they would have a big matchup advantage in, because I think they think about me and Vince in the corners being maybe a little slower than some of those guys. But I think if you think about the rest of the middle, I don't know if that's the case. Like, Cedro is one of the squirrelier players you can play against. Like, I don't know. But yeah. I, they definitely, that definitely is, and I see what you're saying about the difference. 
Yeah. No, and I agree yeah. with the phone players and everything. And I think if we're going to do this next year, I think we need to look at uh, decision-making as being one of the attributes on the team. Because like you were saying with Matt's decision-making, I've, I've seen him try to do too much, drop easy catches. And I think that, that would be a big factor in this, a lot of these games. We could also factor in speed, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. I think the one point that uh, Tyler brought up that I thought was really appropriate was just the fact that he didn't really have a consistent roster last year or a full roster until nationals. And that that wasn't something that I had thought about, but um, it's definitely something that can kind of like hold the team back. So to see them at full strength winning nationals um, is, is a really good sign and for them to kind of, continue that success with a healthy roster is, is pretty good. Lou, do you want to work into the pathways to victory? Yeah, let's do this. So uh, pathways to victory for heat. Limit shreds transition plays. We've been having that talk about fast and slow play. I think heat can still speed the game up, but I think their goal should be to kind of limit um, shreds countering right or just kind of contain shred and force shred to kind of uh, conduct a half court offense um vince taking out kwan and jeff in the first half of the game i think if if you can get some of the that firepower out of the middle on shred i think he just has has more depth and they're just gonna outlast so um if vince can kind of whittle those guys down early that's going to be money and then sean mentioned this i thought sean was just reading off of my my notes and cheating but uh tyler dylan and frank the middles for heat if those guys can produce and and just deliver and and kind of outperform the middles on shred they're just they're going to destroy um so those guys are x factors and if you go back and watch um the championship match last year. Sean has mentioned this a couple times on the pod tonight, but like Tyler, Tyler didn't give himself a shout out, but he had like a golden touch in that championship match. He was just destroying things. He did give himself a shout out, but I censored it just to make him seem a little more humble because Tyler often needs editing. So, <laughs> well, I was really impressed. So I think that Tyler, Dylan, Frank trio, um, and I don't even know what you would consider a seed drill, so I haven't even mentioned him. But that is the Heat Pathways to Victory. Uh, Justin, you want to do the Shred? All right, so Shred's Pathways to Victory. Finding ways to create chaos and open the court where Dylan and Jeff can thrive. Um, Matt Levine is hitting his cross-court snipes and coming up with catches or surviving... Uh, Retillery throws, retallery throws for opposing corners. Jeff stays on the court, takes risks, and pulls a rabbit out of his hat, the, like uh, the impact versus outsiders match. And Kyle and Quan outplay their opposing middles and force Heat to give up ball control. So that's the, the uh, pathways to victory. The one thing, I mean, in watching Heat play, I feel like the one thing your guys' biggest downfall is I feel like you guys throw a lot of catchable balls. I don't I feel like that's like the uh, biggest I do. 
I feel like that's the biggest knock to like you guys when I you watch that clutch match, there's a lot of catches. I mean, we talked about clutch being a really good catcher to me. But there's something about I feel like most of your team throws pretty straight balls. I mean, it's hard to not to make movement with, with eight point five balls, but it don't like, we'll throw straight eight point five balls. <laughs> there's I don't know, there's something about you know, you watch like pie and throw and like that ball moves. There's something about his throw, the way it comes off his hand. Nice I too. feel like I feel like all of your guys are baseball players, and you sort of see the ball the whole way. There's something about it where maybe it's a little more catchable. I don't know. I I wonder if that's one way that Shred wins as well as they just get hot catching as well, because there are some really good catches on that team between Dylan and Matt and Kyle can catch and Jeff can catch. You know, do they get two or three catches in a game that helps them as well? But I guess if Sean's off the court, then maybe there will be less catching. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Sean's Sean's point to like sub himself out is like uh, very. It shows good recognition of like his opponent's strengths, right? And and Matt mentioned Isidro's throw, right? In his in his response, right? And so if Sean and Isidro swap. Or if we slide a Cedro into the corner, all of a sudden, Matt's got a Cedro to deal with for like the entire match, and maybe he's not uh, coming up with those snipes that he loves to do. Would you ever move Vince, or Vince is too comfortable being in the right corner? Has Vince ever played anywhere besides the right corner? Vince actually wanted to play left corner this year, and that's why I said I don't know. I'm. I mean, I I might play right corner against Juan. Yeah, because you've played other corners. I play right corner in no sting. I've seen you yeah. move off the corner when Mikey's in front of you, so you don't have to be in front of Mikey. Yep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> so I, and, you know, honestly, like, that's been the thing that's been, like, the, from all these answers, the thing that I found the most interesting was that I feel like everyone's answer was, we just have to play our game. And Keith's answer is not, we have to play our game, ever. We don't, we don't have a game. Like, that's not the, like, we literally, every game we go into, like, when I'm thinking about how, like, I'm not going to sit in the corner and say, well, we just got to play our game and I have to outlast Matt. Like, Matt's a really good player. Like, I'm going to respect that this team can do well and, like, just figure out how to maneuver our pieces so that they can do that less efficiently. And that's your game. Yeah, but, that, but that's not, I mean, but then our game is always reactive to our opponent's game, right? So yeah. they can play their game all they want. That's fine with us as long as we know what it is. Yeah, being very fluid in your game style, I mean, that's that's Heat's game. And if you can't if you can't hold them from adapting or hold you guys from adapting, then you you might take that first one, but that's gonna be second and third one are gonna be way harder to take. Sean, a question in response to that point. Um, have you guys ever, I mean, last year at Nationals, did you ever match up against a team that you didn't prepare for? I know that clutch mode match was a tough one. Like, I wonder if that was an example or if there were any others. Um, clutch mode was the, was the main one um, because we played downpour first um, and, and we had played them pretty much like, I felt bad. I feel like we played them every playoffs uh, last year. Um, and then we played clutch, but then after that we played corruption who was like sneaky, but I had luckily played North round three and had played corruption and like, 
the corner, like the right corner got me with this really cheeky counter. And I remember he tried to do these. I, I like had just seen them do a few of their like sneaky things and we were like ready for them. Um, but it'd been, I hadn't played clutch mode with that roster. I'd played Chris before when I was in the East, but I didn't know really anything about those guys. And I, I do think that the more we know about an opponent or the less we know, the more of a disadvantage we're at, regardless of talent level, because we just, mostly because they let me call plays and if I don't know what to do, then we're not as good. If you're off the court in the game, you're talking about who calls plays? Me. Vince? So I was saying, if you're taking yourself off the court, you're still calling from off the court. Sean, I wanted to share this story with the guys that when we played together at Tyler Greer's draft tournament, I I never really played with anyone as bossy as you in the huddle. And so like, there was a lot of times where we would come to the huddle and we both call plays. And like, finally, by the end, I gave up. I was like, I'm just going to let Sean call the plays. Like, Hey, we won. <laughs> Vaughn. <laughs> Shout out to Vaughn's team in the finals. Dude, yeah, that was so much fun. I still think about that term. I really, I really like calling plays. It's like hard for me not to. So, do we get to picks? I guess we're at the picks. Kick us off, Justin. Sean, are you taking yourself off this picking? Are you going to be the, the person that breaks the tie if it's a tie? I, I don't feel like it's going to be a tie. I feel like. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can break this. I could give my opinion and not pick, or I don't I don't know. What do you think? Why don't you just give your opinion? Um, yeah, I think I think I'm picking Heat in this one, uh, something I wasn't willing to do against Anarchy, because I think Shred is still a year away. Um, I think, you know, Matt mentioned, you know, us giving – you know, us throwing doubles and giving them four balls would be, but like they haven't played together enough, I think, to take full advantage of, you know, what their double throws look like or who throw them. Like I said, that was a very much a learning process for us last year. Um, I, and I think, you know, Quan and Dylan, obviously we've all seen that they have a lot of talent, but if Quan's going to play corner, I think that that's another thing that takes a lot of time for him to learn what a corner looks like. And how much can Jeff lead the team not having a ball? I think that there are just like a lot of things that have to come together for them. As you're saying, four of their five main guys are this is their second year of elite. Um, I definitely think that they're going to be in this conversation for a very long time going forward. I just think that they still have a lot of exposable pieces. Um, and I, I think we would be. Lou? Yeah, I'm going with Heat. I just think all around um, the experience, the depth. Um, I think I think they just have more firepower. Like I think that Matt is going to find himself uh, alone pretty quickly and and having to do too much. And we've talked about how that is kind of getting them out of their out of their game plan. So I'm going with the reigning champs, Heat. Brett. Yeah, as bad as I want to pick Shred, 
I, I think that they are a year away, even with playing together this whole year. I think that will make it a lot closer. And I think that, like like me and Sean talked about, that Heat being able to kind of be very fluid in their gameplay and their game, like the style of their game, I think gives them a much bigger advantage than Shred does with their kind of run and gun. If Shred develops more of a strategy throughout the year, I would give them probably more of an edge. But from what I've seen and even thinking about a year, I got to give it to Heat still. Um. Yeah, I agree with you know everything everyone else has said. I think they're still at least a year away. I think, especially coming off the national championship, I think Heat just has too much experience um, for them to take. I think Heat is not going to fall into any traps. They're too smart of a team. I think their corners aren't going to hold up as well, you know, if they're learning against a team like Heat. You know, you have to be pretty established in what you're going to do to to square off against those guys. Um, I think, you know, I think if Jeff can stay on the court and stay alive, he can control that game um, a lot and kind of, you know, be the glue that holds the team together. But if he's out and Matt's trying to do too much, like I said earlier, then it's it's an easy heat game. I think, you know, I think we're going to have an all-West final, much to the chagrin of half the country. But I'm going with heat. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter much, but I, I've said it from the beginning. I've said it like on like, Twelve podcasts. I think this is the most talented team in the country. I think Shred would win this match. I think I think that they're the the most up and coming team. I believe in all their talents. Uh, I think they would win. Uh, it doesn't really matter because it's four to one, but that's just my feeling. I feel like this it's uh that they have the the talent and the depth to beat this heat team. I think they match up pretty well. I think actually they can be a sort of fluid team, kind of like, I think they're actually sort of in a heat model in terms of, of a team, because I think that there's, they're built more on depth than they are on start. Like, I think they have high end stars, but I think they have a really good depth to them. I'm much higher on Dylan and Quan and Sean and Kyle than the rest of you guys are. Um, so it just it's a difference of opinion. Luke. I mean, I wish I knew more about them. Like I don't know a ton about Quan or Sean McMahon. You know, like I've seen a little bit of them, but I don't know them like you do. And I wish I did, and that would probably inform my opinion a little more. But you know, just not knowing it's hard for me to say. But maybe you know, hopefully I'll get to see more of those guys soon. We get to play again. Luke. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think as as someone who's got a lot of mileage on their arm and body like i really am excited by the future prospects of shred and and just watching those guys kind of grow into their kind of dodgeball primes and and just kind of be be figures and leaders like in this community right like it's exciting like those guys are fun to root for and and i'm i'm excited for them to be involved and i'm excited for, for them to kind of become central figures in this community. So that wraps up our semifinals. The question is, do we continue or do we push it to a fifth episode? 
How are how's everyone feeling? Let's just finish. I also I wanted to give everybody a stat who is talking about me throwing a lot of catches. Uh, I I looked up the heat aggregate stats from last year, and I want everyone to know that I threw less catches than a Cedro, and I caught a higher percentage of catches that I went for than a Cedro. So. Yeah, but he made more highlight catches. That's all that matters. I mean, he for sure. He also made way like total volume made way more catches too. What about what about at nationals specifically? Can we get can we get those? Yeah, you can. Um, let's see. Cedro made know, the best. My favorite catch know, I've seen. You want to know catches thrown or catches made? Catches oh, let's, hear, let's hear both. Cedro threw five catches at nationals. I threw three. How many throws? How many more throws? Percentage. I had Isidro had. Oh my god! Isidro had didn't, way more. didn't you throw three in the clutch mode match? Yeah, and then you also threw. That's all. Throw that's your all your throws. All your I catches. Know, I, clutch two, mode? I think I threw two in clutch mode. Okay. And I throw one to catch him. I think that's all three. What's the percentage of throws? Uh, Isidro threw three times as many throws as me. A lot of pump faking goes on. Uh, their aggregate, it's like it's our no sting and 8.5 stats. Oh, okay. It's aggregate. I don't know why we made that. The Cedra made the, my favorite catch I've ever seen at nationals, which is like just like a normal catch. I feel like he makes all the time, which is like he threw a ball and then fell back on his back and caught a ball like with full outstretched arms and caught the ball over his head as he was like laying on the ground. I was just like, how did you even? see that ball or make that catch or why were you reaching for that catch honestly the the most fun ones are when he just like squats on the back line and like a big arm just like runs to the middle and he just catches it at his face like sean anderson had one for rainbows where he like did his big pump fake a few times and then took the step back one and threw it like one inside me and cedar and cedar just like because it just makes that pop like he got murdered but it doesn't go back yeah he's a great hands so what are we deciding? Are we deciding to do a fifth episode, or are we gonna we're we gonna finish so, this? One second, just before we move on, because I don't think we mentioned this. The Instagram poll was seventy two percent to heat. I'm, maybe I missed it, but I don't think we mentioned it. Just to leave that out. <laughs> Justin, if you if you hype shred enough, are they gonna take you on as an eighth man? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> just leave my team. <laughs> I. That, Ironic thing is, I've tried to get almost all these people on my team. At some point, I just can't get them to join my team. Um. So, Brett, do you want to continue, or you want to save it for an episode? I'm I'm on team push, but if we if everybody outvotes me, I I can uh, I can suck it up. Lou, team push. Is is push like keep going or push is postponed? Postponed, right? Yeah, yeah I want like I want to be postponed. Week. I want to I, I want to think I, about these keys to victory. Like I want to I want to make sure that put some good ready. thought into it. I mean, we could try to do it later this week also, so that it comes out this week still, or maybe like on the weekend. Sean, you want to keep going? Um. I do, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was reading the wrong tab anyway. I gotta find out if I actually threw less catches. Than Vaughn? 
Uh, I am fine either way. Um, if we keep going, I just need to make a venue change so Kate can go to sleep in her room. But um, I'm fine either way. Guys, I, I was wrong. Those were no sting stats. I threw way more catches than everybody in 8.5. <laughs> they don't even have your stats for those. Oh, they only had open, uh, your open no sting stats, right? Because you played a different team for it. Right, right. Yeah. It's all of our open no sting and open. Because uh, West, West did both divisions last year. Matt Levine is like licking his chops somewhere. He's just like, I've played, I've played in front of Matt before, and uh, I'm pretty sure I got him out. On okay, sure. Times. I've thrown him twice, and I've got we'll him out. Take your twice. word for it. Sure. <laughs> I think it was no sting both times, though. So I don't know if I've ever thrown an eight point five at him. I've really both know. played with him and against him multiple times, and it, it is fun to play against him because he will have those ones where he beats himself up. I mean, he said how much in the in his interview that he didn't want to play a Cedro, which makes me really just want to put a Cedro in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we should push this. I think more people to push than to... I also would like to bring... I would like to bring Steve back to the finals. If we can. I like that. And maybe get Chris back as well, since he's missed the last two episodes. Sounds good. All right. So maybe we should just uh, we should cap it off by saying our championship match is Crisis versus Heat, and we want to. So it's a repeat. From, we want to hear from the people. Yeah. It's a repeat of the championship. We're so inventive that we real uh, original guys. We worked it all the way back down <laughs> to the repeat of what happened last time. Yeah. Yeah, the chat was pretty quiet tonight, so maybe we can get some more input before the uh, the final. Get some more outside uh, influence, yeah. Wait, who was cool. Sounds good. The yeah. Facebook chat, the stream chat. Yeah, there's a couple Alan Thomas comments, but besides that, anybody have a uh, a dad joke in honor of Steve to close this out? Lou, well, I mean, make, I have make one up. I have yeah, I have like my my token dad joke. Um, I feel like I've heard Steve say this one, but what's red and bad for your teeth? A brick. <laughs> Love it. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> so, again, thanks, guys, for coming on. I think this has been really fun. And uh, in our fifth episode, we'll finally finish it. It'll be Steve and my like, ninth episode because we did one for each reason as well. So we're really milking it for the best it can be and, and again you, when you don't have dodgeball you have to yeah and again i'm looking forward to doing it for the women as well uh so please let me know if you'd be interested in being part of the podcast sean anything else <laughs> see you guys later i'm sad we don't get to talk about dodgeball <laughs> now i gotta figure out how to turn, turn this live stream off all right, so that was uh, part four of the now five uh, installment series of the hypothetical 2020 uh, Nationals Tournament. And uh, again, huge thank you to those of you guys that have been on this hype train, have reached out and shown support. And um, mostly thank you from for me for you guys taking this with a grain of salt. Um, it's a make-believe tournament, and if you're getting upset over it, um, I don't know what to tell you, but most people seem like they're enjoying it. And so, um, as, as mentioned previously, 
we'll be doing this with uh, with other versions. Uh, maybe we'll get some rematches, some grad matches. Um, I've said before, at least in the chats, the the products that Lou and and Co are creating are really paving the way for some serious, serious like into the weeds dodgeball theory, dodgeball discussion, and I, I can't be more excited for it. Um, even though I won't be here for this season, I'm looking forward to what's going to come as a result. A lot of really awesome stuff on the way. And um, as always, if you're interested in partaking, please reach out to myself, Sergio, or Justin, and um, we'll, we'll get you on here uh, sooner than you think. But um, that all being said, um, thank you so much for, for tuning in as always. Um, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. You did it. I, I did yeah. it. It just went off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good work, everybody. That was that was good. I mean, we, we spent over two hours on two matches. That's, that's pretty yeah. good. Is that good? It, it was good. Yeah, it's crazy. Guys, I hate this. It makes me want to play dodgeball so bad. I know. <laughs>